Welcome to our Spiritual Resilience Podcast with Reverend Rich Taffel, a transformative leader and executive coach in areas of public policy, social change, and spiritual entrepreneurship. We understand that today's life and social challenges require a more holistic approach, including spiritual tools, thoughtful dialogue, and of course, community building. Join us in the conversation. Today is a tough topic to speak about. It's an important one. Uh, recently, Sherry had told me that she and Scott had just suffered the loss through a friend's child to suicide and asked, you know, what, what are our teachings on that? There are unique teachings or insights in that topic. So it's a difficult topic. And as you know, we look forward to difficult topics here. That's kind of our specialty. So. Uh, anybody who recommends a challenging topic will do that. And um, it turned out after Sherry had requested that, that it, I didn't know this, but September is Suicide Awareness Month. So it's a time when we need to be aware. So this is a tough topic. It is a crisis in our country, in the world right now, but particularly in the United States. Um, you probably know that in the last decade or so, about the 8% among young people taking their lives. And if you know anybody who's young right now, you know the anxiety levels that they're suffering with are off the charts. So there's, and it's really created an epidemic, particularly among young people. What I didn't know until I prepared for the sermon was that there's also um, a rise in suicide among people who are in um, their midlife. That that that's new, uh, like in like mid forties, fifties. That's new, and that's in the United States. Around the world, it's generally kind of correlates with uh, getting older, but in the United States, it's with young people. So it's very sad. It's really something a church we need to think about, talk about, and uh, pray about, and be prepared to be ready if someone ever comes into our life, because very few of us will ever uh, not be touched by this topic. And we should be prepared as Christians to have a Christian response. So what is a, a Christian response? Well, it is rather confusing if you look out there to see what the the teachings are on this. Um, And I'm going to focus today mainly on uh, the topic of mainly a person who uh, younger in distress decides to take their life. That is different than end of life. And I could talk more about that in the discussion time, but I'm really focusing on someone who's sort of can't see their way through a situation and figures that taking their life is the only way out. So what happens to what happens to their soul, and we, we know what happens to the people around them. Uh, uh, suicide is, uh, I, I almost imagine it like a bomb going off. It seems that there's shrapnel everywhere, and it's going in to people and hurting people, and it's a very, very um, challenging issue. The people who are left after the suicide, um, 
suffer extremely and for, for many, many, many years. So it's a very, very tough topic and it's a very tough thing. There's no question that it leaves behind pain and suffering. Um, and I'll just say in my own life, this is something that I consider when I was young and I was uh, stressed out about coming out and uh, I couldn't figure out a way. And, and so I can relate particularly to younger people because when you're young, you don't really have a track record of getting through a crisis. And so, you know, breaking up with your girlfriend, um, failing a test, not getting into a certain school, things like that, which we would say, hey, you'll get through it. It's not a big deal. You know, you'll get through it. For a lot of people, when you're younger, you don't have that track record. And sometimes um, taking your life seems to be the way out. And so that's the saddest. And when we ever encounter someone who shares any suicidal ideation with us, we need to take it extremely seriously because uh, if they're talking about it, uh, there's a chance they could do it. And they do need um, guidance, love, and compassion in that moment. And particularly um, not being judgmental about whatever is going on in their life, but just loving them. So, so what is the, what is a, what's a, what's a Christian response to the topic of suicide? Well, most religions and um, outside of Christianity, uh, Islam, for example, they do strongly condemn suicide and, um, and they take it to quite a high level. They, in a lot of teachings in churches, they say that your life is a gift from God. It's God's property. And when you decide to take it, you're uh, thwarting God's gift, like you're, you're throwing away God's gift to you. And it's quite a, a great sin. It's such a great sin in some churches for many years, they would not allow a memorial service in a church if someone in the family committed suicide. A lot of cemeteries would not bury people who took their life. Now, I will say, in the, and I you know, researched this for the, because I've certainly heard those horror stories. When you're a minister, you hear everybody's horror stories that they've had with other ministers. And that's horrible to think that a church at a critical time would not be there for a family and not be there uh, to be pastoral is uh, I think not Christian. And I think those same churches as I looked in the last decade even have been evolving their views on this to a much more empathetic viewpoint. Um, so I think that first and foremost, a church should be a place to be supportive in a crisis, hopefully before the bad thing would happen, a suicide. But if it happens, it's, again, non-judgmental. It's, it's um, just unconditional love in that situation for the family. And I'll just say here at Church of the Holy City, we would always be a place for someone grieving through suicide and would certainly do a memorial service for anybody in that, that situation. So I said I'm going to foc focus mainly on, um, you know, a person who in the kind of the prime of their life takes their life. What does the Bible say? Well, it's interesting. The Bible doesn't say a lot. Um, as I looked, I found about six examples of suicides in the Bible, and it doesn't really address, uh, they're not really spoken about as these horrible acts. We know that in the 10 commandments, it says thou shalt not kill. So we have that biblical commandment that overrides this. So that would be clear guidance. I think we all know that it's, uh, in, intrinsically, we know that it's an act of evil, and I'll talk more about that. But um, some of the more famous one is King Saul um, in the Bible. Do you remember Samson in the temple when he pulled down the temple? Um, that was a suicide. And But the most famous is the one we read today, was Judas, the story of Judas, and uh, that 
a disciple of Jesus. And so the Bible doesn't go that deeply. Now, our tradition uh, also has a view of life after death, and I think that can be particularly helpful on a topic like this. What happens? Can we get a glimpse of the other side? What happens to people who transition into the next life and, um, and what happens with them? Interestingly enough, as I was doing the research, Swedenborg, the Christian mystic that we often turn to who has these insights, he himself, I didn't know this, wrestled with suicide. He, he uh, had images of it too. So it's, a, it's, it's, some, it's, it's not an unusual thing he had wrestled with in his own life. But um, his insights into what happens it will be very much in a line with the teachings that you've heard me talk about what hell is like or what happens, you know, what judgment is like. Um, and that is that first and foremost, God wants no one to go to hell. Okay. That is just a fundamental belief of ours that that is not something God ever wants. That's a choice we can make against God's wishes. But so to say that immediately a person who takes their life is going to hell would for us, that would not be, uh, that, that's much too simple. And this is much more complex. Now that said, I, as I've said, suicide is a very selfish act in my opinion. Um, and it does have that impact on so many other lives. And then we also know that in a family, if someone takes their life very often, someone will also take their life. If kids see it in school. So it, it has this, you know, ripple effect. And, um, but I would say that if, if you're taking your life in the middle of your life, you are disrupting God's purpose for your life. And there's millions of actions that God had planned in your life that you would be impacting. And if you remember the uh, It's a Wonderful Life, everybody's favorite Christmas movie, you know, Jimmy Stewart jumps off the bridge and the angel says, this is what your life would have been like if it, life would be like if you didn't live. Well, that is the impact of a suicide. And remember in the movie, he is attempting suicide. So, um, you're, you're, you are impacting thousands of millions of actual uh, decisions and choices and connections, and you're missing out on your purpose. So in no way do I, I want to say this is a very sad thing. It's a selfish thing, um, but this is really important. We are not punished in the next life. We withdraw ourselves from the love of God, and no one is judged by an act, okay, one act that they do either. The whole, our whole lives is, is really who we are. I personally believe that the suicide and the thoughts that come into people's heads through that is a source of evil that comes from the hells and that, um, that people, are, people who uh, take their lives are usually wrestling, I would say, with the demonic or evil presence around them. And we also don't know how that influences them and how it impacts their freedom. Um, so today we would talk about mental illness or insanity. That's true. If you are mentally ill or if you're insane, you're not in control of your free will, that is definitely going to impact your situation. One thing we have learned is that we can never judge another person's life. We can look on the outside and we can look at it. We can think, wow, they're really terrible. I'm good or I'm, you know, we have no idea what's truly going on only the lord does so we should also be not be quick to judge and sort of put our own thing into it it could be a very complex set of circumstances um the other thing that's interesting from that reading we had and that from other insights that he offers is that um you don't 
people who are going through a crisis and take their life physically to, to deal with it, uh, they don't avoid that crisis. Whatever crisis they're facing, they will bring to the next world. It's just going to happen in a different place. It doesn't free you from the crisis. So there's no freedom provided by suicide, whatever, and it will have to be worked out on the other side. Um, so um, I think um, it's important to remember that um, also in our tradition, we believe that anybody who dies before they have volition and freedom in their life um, is taken to heaven and, and, and taken and raised by angels. I think that's very comforting, you know, because in many cases, these are young people who just uh, have made really a bad decision in a bad situation. And uh, it's, I think it's very um, important to know that they will be uh, taken care of immediately by angels. So um, one interesting question theologically that is what, what happens to Judas? Okay, because I did read that. We read his gospel story of Judas taking his life. So Jesus does, uh, Swedenborg says that uh, it appears to him that Judas is working it out on the other side, and it even implies that he's in heaven and talks about the disciples getting together and talks about the 12. And so I would have to assume that Judas is uh, working things out on the other side. That uh, he, does to, he does call him, he said he has, that Judas is tormented and he's, he was told that, um, that he is sort of working it out and he's, he had so much good in his life and, he, and he's working out that decision. Obviously, the fact that Judas took his life after what he did, he, there was some, uh, in a way, self-awareness of what he had done. So that's kind of interesting too. Um, so the most important thing for us to keep in mind is that um, we can never really judge another person's life. And we can never judge how people are working through it. And so people who take their life on this sphere have an opportunity to work things out on the other sphere uh, to the degree that they want to. God wants everyone into heaven. We can choose a different path, but usually suicide is a very uh, complex issue, including mental health, stress, anxiety, things we can't see. And Swedenborg says even things that are passed down through families that we don't understand, which is kind of fascinating. So I think uh, we should just, as a Christian community, embrace the complexity of this topic and really what people need in the moment it's a, it's a person coming to you with questions they need unconditional love. If it's someone on the other side of it that experienced it in a family, same thing. So that's a pretty simple thing for Christians to do, which is just to love people. And churches should be absolutely the place where you can have a memorial service. And churches should, and ministers should absolutely do this, the, the graveyard service. And cemeteries should be open to it, in my opinion. And I think that is really, frankly, unchristian. And I hope that we as a community can be a place where when people are going through those difficult situations, it's at those critical moments they need God's love the most. Obligation as Christians to be there for them. So difficult topic, uh, not the most cheery one we've ever uh, discussed here, but a very important one because most of us will be confronting this topic at some time, at some place, and just being able to say to somebody, in our faith, it's very complex and the Lord is working through the situation. And I just wanna let you know that I love you and the Lord loves whoever took their life. And if you wanna talk more about it, you can talk to our pastor about it. 
but we're there for you. So very encouraging message on the, on those fronts. Amen. We will have a, that, this will be open for discussion in our discussion time. Now at this time, we're going to have our offering. I don't have the offering plate right here right now, but, um, but I have an interesting announcement and this could be online. At our board meeting, we did have, uh, uh, finances have been tough in the church this year because every time we're trying to do an event or do rental of the building, we've had now an insurrection, riots, pandemics, and then a second round of pandemics. <laughs> and so, um, and, it's, and it's the challenge we're here today facing, doing it online and in person. And uh, so, so giving is down, but we have a matching gift for a month that any gift that you give will be matched. So this is the time to uh, make a gift to the church and it will be doubled for the next month. So just, uh, it's in the newsletter as well, but um, let's really stretch that opportunity to uh, make a difference by matching that gift. And at this time, we do um, open up our time for prayer. And I'm going to invite anybody who has a prayer that they want to lift up, to lift it up right now. And what we do is, uh, after someone prays, just let me put, the, put people back on the screen there and see if that works. Um, we say, no signal. Uh, there it comes. Okay. Um, we do, we'll say, Lord, hear our prayer after someone lifts up a prayer. So does anybody have any prayers they would like to lift up? And just generally say a sentence. You don't have to tell the whole story, but just say it so we all know that what's on your heart and the Lord knows what's on your heart. And then for the rest of us, let's support that person by saying, Lord, hear our prayer. So are there any prayers that people would like to lift up at this time? Lord, hear our prayer. Um, I don't. Can you hear that online? Okay. Karen Conger um, announced that her husband is suffering with cancer and has just gone through a series of tests, and she's praying for healing for her husband. So we lift him up, and I'll I'll repeat the prayers that are here. Um, any other prayers online, or if you're online, just unmute and say your prayer. Um, anybody, you can just um, say your prayer. For my sister-in-law, who has additional representatives as an aunt due to the passing of her brother-in-law. Lord, hear our prayer. Um, here in the church, we have a couple prayers. We have a prayer from Sherry. She would like to keep the family who has suffered the suicide that prompted the sermon, for, the, for to keep them in our prayers. So for that, we say, Lord, Hear our prayer. Sherry, did you have another prayer? And also she asked that we pray for the woman who, is, uh, at her, who has her Airbnb is suffering from cancer. She prays for healing. Lord, hear our prayer.
Any other prayers at this time? Let us all pray then. Lord, we come to you today on a difficult topic, and we ask that you help us to be ambassadors for you in the lives of people struggling with tough decisions, anxiety, financial stress, employment stress, stress at school, stress at, and anxiety that we cannot see that could lead them to consider taking their life. Lord, we ask that you put us in their lives to offer compassion and healing. We also pray for those who have suffered the loss of someone. And we pray that our community and ourselves, that we could be the love of Christ in their life at a very difficult time. So we ask your guidance in that. We pray for all the people that we lifted up today. We pray for this community as we work our way through this pandemic and the challenges that it creates for us as a church and a community. And we pray in gratitude for all the technology and the ways that we can be connected spiritually around the nation and around the world and be in this place, in this church. And Lord, we pray the way that you taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now I will close the word and I'll offer a benediction. And for those who would like to stay, we'll have a discussion on the topic. And now may the peace that passes all understanding be with each of you this day and forevermore. Amen. All right. For those of you who would like to have the, stay for the discussion, we will now begin our discussion time. So the way we'll do it is I'm going to ask... Uh, how are we going to do this? this? I think what I'm going to do is ask anybody who wants to, who's on the chat, on the, our chat room, to go first. And then I'll ask anybody who wants to uh, say a comment. Unfortunately, you're going to have to come forward and speak into the microphone so people can hear you. Or I could repeat your question. Maybe I'll just repeat your question. All right, we'll just do that. So uh, I don't want to make you uncomfortable. <laughs> 
Um, so let's just start with people. It's hard for them to hear if you hear you, it's, it appears. So if anybody who is on Zoom would like to have a question, please uh, unmute and just let us know that you'd like to ask a question or make a comment. And as you can see, we can see we can see all of you on the screen here at the church. I will show you what it looks like now. But if you look and you can see you're all on a screen at the church. Pretty crazy, pretty cosmic, pretty holy city. Um, yes, David's waving. Um, but anybody, any questions or comments from people um, around the country who are on Zoom? Okay, you'll have a, you can have a chance later. Anybody here locally with a question or a comment that they'd like to raise up? Yeah, so uh, the question is, I mentioned about Judas and the disciples in heaven. So he had a vision that uh, the disciples gather together in the afterlife, and they actually have a ministerial role in the afterlife. And he says that they actually go out and preach the gospel in the heavens. And when there's evolution taking place here on earth, that they actually, those same 12 are, that's, they're still carrying forth this message. What was interesting for me when I read it was, then who are the 12? Um, we know that the disciples were re replaced Judas early in the book of Acts, um, but I actually think that he could be referring to Judas, and that would be very interesting if Judas had over, you know, thousands of years, this would be, um, that, he, that Judas, is, Judas is back in the gang and he's with the 12. So that, that's, and, and I really, um, other scholars, particularly Swedenborg scholars can contradict me. Um, I really try to cross-reference this and find out. Um, and by the way, this is not a topic that Swedenborgians preach on <laughs> or anybody wants to talk about. I couldn't find a lot of other places that want to talk about this, but I did find, but there, you know, but I really did want to research Judas because I think we've all, uh, you know, we've all felt some compassion for that complicated situation that he finds himself in and that today we still refer to someone as a Judas um, you know, when they betray. So um, that's what I found. And um, that's what, and that, and I kept looking to see like, was there a story that the 12 had been reestablished with a different person? Because and there was different disciples that came in and acts, but it does from what I can tell initially, and, and, and I, I stand corrected if someone can show me, that would mean that Judas was, um, uh, had worked through a lot on the other side. So that was kind of pretty amazing. Um, again, it doesn't mean that it's, uh, it doesn't make light of the decisions and it doesn't, you know, but we're all, all of us create, um, all of us commit acts of betrayal. And uh, it's important to remember in the case of Judas that Peter committed an act of betrayal almost immediately thereafter, three times. Um, he denied Christ and that was an act of betrayal. He did not betray him to death. So, that's that's an, that's a the, and that's all of us. We're all betraying, and we're all denying, and we're all working through it. And it's through God's love um, that we do it. So that's that's the best I can tell you about Judas. Is that helpful? Okay. Yeah. It is a unique perspective. Any other questions about the topic? 
Whoops, I'll switch this. Let's see if this works. And we'll see if this works. There you can see congregation. And uh, we welcome Shalanda has arrived. We can't quite see. Um, any questions from anybody here? Joy says that Judas displays remorse by re returning the money. That is a model of repentance. Completely agree. Judas, Judas realized very quickly he made a big mistake. And, um, and that repentance is really the process of re regeneration that we all go through. So any other questions or comments on this topic? Yes. Yeah, so best question is, what about in Japanese culture and a number of cultures, right, um, around the world, to take your life is a sign of great sacrifice, and it's this, and particularly it's something you do if you're humiliated. Um, and um, I'll just give my my take on it personally. Um, that still would be from from my from where I'm coming from. That would be an act of evil. That would not be an act of nobility or goodness. We know that many religions around the world have made suicide uh, a high form of, pr of praise. And uh, I think that's um, even in their own religions. So you think of Islam, suicide bombers, as you know, you're doing this for the, you know, the humiliation we face, your family will get paid. This will be, a, this is the highest form of it. And for me personally, I would say that's demonic voice. I would say that's the hells, that is not God's love. And because then also in those cases are taking other people's lives. But um, humiliation, I think that even the um, humili being so horrified by humiliation, by what others think, is not, uh, I would say, a very spiritually evolved person. Because, you know, what is humiliation? It's, 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 it was a high level, it was a high value in earlier systems, traditional and warlord systems in the world that we've evolved beyond. Um, and yet today, when people are humiliated, it still drives a lot of bad behavior, but I don't think it's, there's a spiritual, uh, I think God, God says, yep, you were humiliated, now time to, to take your life. So I don't think it's elevated. And that's one thing that's in, in the sermon, I was trying to strike a balance because I, I, I believe God is all love and welcomes people and we need to be compassionate. I do think suicide is an evil act. Okay, when you do it, it's not, I believe people are getting things whispered in their ears from very dark forces. And I don't want to make it in any way sound like um, it's a walk in the park. It's, it's, it's really a horrible thing. And it, so for me, that would be regardless. But I do know a lot of religions and some religions have used martyrdom, uh, suicide and martyrdom as a way of uh, saying, like, if you died for the church in the Crusades, that your, you know, your soul would go to heaven. I don't believe that's uh, spiritually accurate. I think it's a way of manipulating people for political purposes. 
That would be my guess. Does that make sense? Any other questions, Scott? That's a great question. So the question is about Judas, and then there's a there's a, there's been many a theologian that's wrestled with Judas, and one of the theories is uh, that it actually played out in uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, the the rock opera from the '70s, was that um, Judas was a member of a more radical sect in Judaism, and the belief at the time was the Messiah would come as a military leader to overthrow the Romans. And that's why he was excited about Jesus. And he was a treasure. And then as it goes along, the, the message that this guy's talking about turning your cheek and loving others and, you know, walk the extra mile, that is not the message. And so he felt betrayed at some level by Jesus. And he was trying to force his hand. And he felt like Jesus was a weak leader that was hurting this radical cause. So that's a theory. Um, I don't think Swedenborg talks too much about it. He does have a whole um, theology of the apostles, and I could study it more carefully and get back to you, but literally every one of them symbolizes something. Um, but he is still called in Swedenborg's writing the deceiver or the um, you know, betrayer. I mean, it's, he's not ever described in like a positive light. Um, but I think that actually could make sense logically that uh, we often want God to come into the world the way we want God to come into the world. And we're witnessing this in the United States right now where Christians are trying to squeeze God into their own political agendas and say, this is what God wants and this is what we want God to be. So therefore, um, if, if God, you know, the God of love, compassion, hum humility, that's not what we want. We want a God who's going to be a, a, a God that's going to give us victory. It's a very Old Testament kind of um, theology, even today. So you could see that Judas had it. Um, it turns out that Judas's crowd that he was part of did get their way. After Jesus' death, they did from a uh, revolution against the Romans, and Israel was burned to the ground, and everybody was killed. Um, and many, not everybody, everybody, but, but Israel was, Jerusalem was, the temple was destroyed. That's when the temple was destroyed. So that, that, that decision to go against what Jesus was saying and, and do it was, was certainly, um, they were often called the zealots, that, that group, and um, that was their, their message. So, um, but I'm not sure exactly too much more than, than that. But Judas is a very complicated figure. We all have a little Judas in us. I'll say that. Uh, do you have a question? No, okay. I thought I saw your hand up. Anybody else? Anybody online in Zoom have a question? Last call. Yes, Maria. 
Yes. That's a great. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to repeat. So let me. Let me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maria shares a story where she was contracted by someone who wanted to hire for her copywriting skills, but the the person's goal was a hunger strike. And when she said, you know, well, I don't know if I want to be party to a, a planned suicide or or early death, the person said, I don't really. Uh, that's uh, uh, I. Point was what about the impact of all the people that you're supposed to be impacting and people who love you, who will have an impact by that. And that's a that's a good looking at that causal connections really really important um, and particularly hard to see when you're young okay i'm gonna last chance for one more question anybody here with a question on the topic of suicide? Oh, just a comment okay. yes go ahead david yeah i'd just like to say uh you know suicide um is also caused by you know several factors when uh something happens in a person's life that uh your brain stops uh, producing that serotonin chemical, several others that's only recently been discovered, but it's almost like your brain is suffering from a disability. And then you're mad, then uh, you're opening yourself, um, you know, to those dark forces. And, uh, but, you know, when a stuff happens and to a friend or a family, boy, uh, you know, never ever, you know, condemn the person saying oh, that they were weak or they couldn't take it, you know, it was the easy way out because uh, it's a very difficult thing uh, to understand. Um, but um, just several years ago, uh, uh, people who suffer from severe depression, let's notice that in their brains um, after MIR scans is that um, they're not functioning in the, in the uh, way uh, a healthier brain is healthy brain, it has a uh, light spots in it, almost like a Christmas tree. And a person suffering from depression, your brain is dark. And uh, there's an electrical current that goes across the brain too, with the chemicals. And when that depression comes on, um, it's your brain is shutting itself down. Uh, but also, you know, through medications that helps, but your spiritual life is very important uh, so that you block out that evil you know, that's telling you to do a horrible thing. Um, but, um, you know, always uh, give a person encouragement. You know, if somebody says, you know, I'm feeling depressed. I don't, you said, oh, you know, you immediately get off to a David, I think you're, you're cutting out. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. That's all right. That's all right. You're cutting out, but I, I do want to I want I do want to highlight what you said. I think this is a good note to end on tonight. We're learning so much about the human brain, about you know physical things, about uh, mental illness that we never knew before, um, genetics, and things that are passed through families we've never really understood. You know, and the the bigger point is you just cannot judge another person's life. You cannot stand in judgment. You do not what you think you know. You're seeing the tip of the iceberg. And so, as I think David said it exactly right, our role is to be extremely compassionate and unconditional. Doesn't mean that we say it was a right or a good idea. 
means that we just say we are unconditionally standing with you in this moment, whether it's the person struggling or it's the family afterward who needs uh, support. And I think that's really the message today is that of all places, churches should be the place, uh, not of judgment and condemnation, but of acceptance, love, and compassion. So thank you, David, for that point, because I think that really sums it up nicely. And thank you all for coming today and staying for the discussion. Those that you stayed, we'll be working out the, the kinks here as far as getting a, a speaker here and micro, moving microphone and who knows, we'll have a whole little setup here. My little MacBook Air is overwhelmed with things being plugged into it. And I'm being overwhelmed as a pastor learning all this stuff. So, um, so uh, and Joy says, hi to Karen Conger. And uh, Karen says, hi, Joy. And uh, you know, thank you all for coming. And I'll see you next Sunday. And remember, don't be shy about sending your um, sermon requests and topics that you want to have covered. Uh, we, we, we will cover them. Okay. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. See you, Dad. See you, David. Bye, Annabelle. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Spiritual Resilience Podcast with Reverend Rich Taffel. We invite you to reach out to us with your questions and comments, as well as proposed topics for discussion. Sending you love and light. Till next episode.